Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Somewhat Damaged. I'm your host, Greg Alpern, and with me as always, John B. Today, we welcome our guest from the Nate Lamb podcast, Brian Bates. Remember, go subscribe, rate, and review us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Hey. Hello. It looks like a hotel uh, bedroom. It is. Is all right? <laughs> it's fine. Wait, I'm right. going to get some pillows. Can I put some pillows behind me too? That'd be, <laughs> it's my preferred position. Kick back. Yeah, right. Um, how's Albany? Uh, so far, I mean, I didn't get into late last night. My flight got delayed because of weather, so I didn't get into like 2 a.m. Oh, shit. Have you guys ever been to Albany? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We got in, uh, <clears throat> my flight finally arrived like at one thirty, and I didn't realize there'd be no Ubers. So. <laughs> yeah. It's what? funny. There's, there's not a lot like Ubers since the pandemic, like everywhere I've been like LA, they seem to be like price gouging. I actually get better. Like even in Manhattan, I have a better, uh, better uh, time and easier and cheaper time getting uh, a yellow cab. They're just so much easier and they're so much more convenient, but you couldn't get anything out there. No, there just wasn't any running. And then I tried taxis and I couldn't get any of those. And <clears throat> I was really running out of options. <laughs> I just asked this one couple, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we got the one taxi. And then they basically said, we'll drop you off. So oh, this yeah. couple just let me ride with them in their taxi and drive off to my hotel. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did, they, did you tell them you were in town doing shows? Are they going to come? Um, they weren't even going to Albany. They were going to like, Connecting me, connected yeah. yeah. So they had a long drive, but they, uh, I told them what I was doing, but they were going to another town. <laughs> yes, connectedy. That's that's another great part of New York State. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, we are talking to um, Brisket Bates. <laughs> Just joking, yeah. Brian Bates. Uh, you know him from Nate Land. Um, I did. I actually think that's funny that whole like all the names. It's because I it, it kind of hits home because growing up, my growing up, I've been called everything but my name. Anything yeah. that starts with a G, like I get still to this day, Glenn, Gary, like almost everything but G. So I totally feel for that. Oh, don't forget Jew. Yeah, I get that too. But that's with a J. <laughs> <laughs> I spell it with a G. <laughs> Why Greg? Though, like I can understand if they called you Craig by accident or. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I dated a girl in high school through college for like multiple years, like four or five years. And her grandparents, who I used to go stay in their house in Florida, never, ever were able to remember my name. They really did. They called me Glenn, Gary, literally everything besides Greg. And I would tell them every time, you know, you're close, but you're not exactly on it. And I, I honestly don't remember them ever calling me Greg, ever. But it happens all the time. Like I even get an email. It's like my email address is greg at gregalperin.com. Yeah. And I will get emails from people that say, hey, Gary. <laughs> and I'm like, that. that's crazy. Anyway. It's crazy to me how many people, not trying to be funny, misspell Brian and they spell it brain. Yeah. Mm. All the time. I do that too. Do you get, well, do you get the other other way people spell it? B R Y N or or E. I've never who's, seen. Who's, I've never seen E before. Really? Yeah, yeah. I went. My college roommate's name was B R I E N Brian. I think it's or in. Uh, 
he was Irish. I think that I've seen it more Irish than anything else. Like, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen it like that. Um, they usually spell it with an I, but they often transpose the A and the I and call me brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So this is an exciting conversation to get this thing started off with. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize we started. Oops. No, it's all good. We we just jump into it, and uh, sometimes we wind up on name name conversations. Yeah. So how how are you? How are things going for you? Good. Um, I mean, well, I guess you guys heard. I'm in Albany, and yep. uh, I'll be at the Albany Funny Bone this week. First time here. I'm with uh, Leanne Morgan, very funny comic out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, yeah, we'll see how the crowds are. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, and like your, your backstory of getting started in stand up like very late, you know, compared to obviously the other people and starting out in Nashville and stuff like, and then obviously leaving a, a I'm sure a well-paying job to take the jump and just go stand up full time. Like, I'm just really curious as to, you know, what really gave you that inspiration to do that in your mid thirties? And then in your um, mid-40s when you literally were like, I'm going to be a comedian now full-time. Yeah, stupidity. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like, I, um, well, <clears throat> my dad passed, just to start it off really sad, my dad passed away in uh, December of 2006. I took a stand-up comedy class in January of 2007 just to kind of, uh, you know, put some fun in my life and right. get my mind off of it and get some sure. encouragement. And I knew nothing about stand-up comedy. Um, I just thought it'd be fun. Take this four week class, see what happens. And then I'd be done with it. And um, I just really enjoyed the class. I enjoyed the, the people in the class and um, it kind of just one thing led to another. We started going to open mics and um, started kind of getting competitive, seeing what shows we could get. And one thing led to the other, and I just kept going. And right. It just started building from there and then making connections. And then I kept my day job for eight years. <clears throat> so I started that class at 35, which is when most comics are already in the middle of their career. Right. And then uh, I uh, kept my day job for eight years doing – day job during the day and then doing comedy at night. And then finally at age 43, I got to the point where I could go full time into comedy. And wow. Did it. Yeah. Wow. There's, um, I, I have to ask, you know, how was the comedy class? Did you get a lot out of it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of comics don't like comedy classes. They think there's nothing from it. You can get from it. It, it can't make you funny. I mean, funny's funny, but it did help me in a lot of ways. As, as much as anything, like I said, it gave me some connections. So when I went to the open mics, I knew some people. And sometimes just building relationships and having somebody to hang with or encourage you to go is what you need to push you. So yeah. that as much as anything, just knowing some people and hearing about stuff and, and making me a little competitive to want to – I don't know. Do I want to go out tonight? Yeah, because that guy's doing it and, and – I don't want him getting ahead of me. Sure. So that is probably the biggest way it helped me. Um, but it also just helps like learning stuff you don't even think about, like uh, 
moving the mic stand when you get yes. up. <laughs> and I see so many comics get up there, pull the mic out, and just leave it in front of them, the mic stand. And, That's and, what they say is that – I heard that from uh, another comic, Jeff R. Curry. He said uh, sometimes yeah. comedians say that – uh, a, a comedy class is a $500 class for you to learn to move the mic stand. Move the mic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's essentially, but you know, it is, it is interesting. And this was uh where did you take the comedy class at? In Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah. And like, I mean, like what was, I mean, if you, we have a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are, you know, want to be comics or, you know, they enjoy the art form. Like who, like what, what are they, they're giving you a four week class. And did you, Coming out of that class, did you feel that you were a comedian at that point? <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be really. I'm not. I'm. I'm dumb. Not that dumb. <laughs> but it made me. It didn't discourage me. I mean, you know, the teacher's pretty encouraging. He wants your money, so sure. uh, he, uh, he he wants to be encouraging because he offers multiple classes. There's a writing class, a performance class, and oh. stuff like that, and um, and I'm 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 joking about him. He, he's not just in it for the money, but he's still a friend of mine. Um, but no, I realized that comedy's really hard. I knew that going in, and the class made me realize that. But it also didn't discourage me from trying. I mean, it it just motivated me enough to keep going. But uh, I mean, what ended up happening was, and you guys I'm sure know this. This happens everywhere. The first few open mics, all my friends come out because they're so excited I'm doing comedy. And I do great because I got all my friends there. And then they quickly stop coming. And then that's when the bombing starts. Right. (laughs) 100%. Like when – when did you start to have confidence in your writing, like truly have confidence in your writing? Because I imagine that that took some time. Right. And and did like coming working in TV for so long, like kind of give you some of those tools to know how to to write, you know, jokes and stories and structure? Yeah, to some degree. So, yeah, my day job was working in television. And uh, I mean, to some degree, writing is writing. It's a different style of writing, but you're still editing and you're putting as few words in as possible to make your point across. So it did help me. Uh, just get that creative mindset going. But, um, yeah, my writing was always, and still is, I guess, ahead of my performing. Uh, I've always enjoyed the writing part more, but performing sometimes, you know, getting me getting out of my shell or uh, just getting comfortable enough on stage to perform, that that came probably a little bit behind the writing. Right. You know, you alluded to it that your father had passed away in 2006 and you kind of took this comedy course. Was there a little bit of you that wanted to be able to kind of find the humor in life again and kind of like utilize your pain and your suffering? Because that's what everyone says is that, you know, comedy is what tragedy plus time. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a little like were you were you at the gates ready to talk about those type of things? Because, you know, this pandemic has been pretty hard on a lot of com- comedians. I know right. one comic in particular that got divorced. And all I want to hear from that comedian right now is I want your joke about the divorce. Am yeah. I pushing them too hard? Like, yeah, we're. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, I actually spoke at my dad's funeral, believe it or not. And I was not obviously doing comedy then, but I spoke at his funeral. I shared some funny stories. 
I remember realizing how laughter can bring some joy and comfort to people, even in bad times. And that maybe is what spurred me a little bit to take the comedy class as well. And then, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk about once I got into comedy, I didn't talk about his death. On, I've never really talked about that on stage, but now I do realize that anytime something bad happens in your life, there's an opportunity to get some new material from it. And obviously I don't want anything really tragic to happen, but any little, there's a, if there's a silver lining, anything bad happening, like getting stranded at the airport and not be able to get an Uber, you might get a new joke out of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, Brian's out buying like goldfish and lizards and stuff, just like <laughs> waiting for something <laughs> torturous to happen to the, the lizard. Come on guys, die on me. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, is your mom still alive? Oh yeah, you should talk about her death. <laughs> Come on, mom, you can't be. <laughs> some, you know, just nothing serious. Just trip down the stairs or something. Just give me something <laughs> to work with. Like fall out of the car in the driveway. I need. I some. need the new material. <laughs> step this up. <laughs> step it up. So, right. So. T- take me back a little bit to like to that like preprint pandemic, right? So, uh, you, Nate Land started in in early to 2020, so like right mid, like right when the pandemic started is when the podcast started. Yeah, Nate Land right. started um, a year ago this week, so right. first, first of July, and um, so the pandemic had been going on for a few few months, um, but now I think we're starting to realize that this isn't ending anytime soon. And uh, so Nate had been talking about a podcast for a while. And, you know, you guys may know he had one years ago back when he was in New York with uh, with Giannis and and Chris Laker. Um, But he's been talking about starting one. And then when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, it just seemed like it was the natural time to to do it. Right. So um, he asked me to come on board. And uh, I mean, we've been friends for a long time and I've been traveling with him to opening for him for a while and uh, come on board. It's kind of like the producer, so to speak. And right. then, and then he asked uh, Aaron to join as well. And yeah, about this time last year was when we were starting. How does that feel though? Like to start a podcast and be like, yeah, there's, cause there's not, there's, I mean, there's millions of podcasts out there. No. I mean, you might've obviously you'd be like, oh, well it's with Nate, you know, I probably have a little bit of steam behind it, but there's a little bit of you that was like kind of ugh, another one. Oh yeah. I mean, it would have been totally that if it wasn't for Nate, I have never really considered doing a podcast myself because like you said, there's a million of them. And uh, I just, I never could think of, I don't have the, the reach. I don't have the fans and I couldn't think of anything unusual or creative enough to, to try even a, a niche. So I never really considered it for myself, but obviously when Nate wants to do one, he's got the the fan base and I was all on board and excited to join and to do it. So yeah, if it wasn't for, for Nate's fan base, I'd probably be like, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. Don't we have enough? <laughs> <laughs> it would like if you did if you weren't doing the podcast right because I obviously you know it's one of the, the more most popular comedy podcasts you know in in the genre like how do you think 
where, where do you think you would be like now? Just like you think you still have the same opportunities? Uh, probably not. I mean, right now, I think things would be looking up because I'm doing these shows with with Leanne Morgan. I'm opening for her some on the road, and and uh, that had nothing to do with the podcast. Right. Uh, that just had to do with working with her in the past, and. Sure. And she's doing great, so it's these are great crowds. Um, but certainly, the podcast has led to some other opportunities, like like this being on your guys' show. I mean, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I could never imagine a year ago being on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, a year ago, this podcast was called the Mangina Dialogues. Trust me, you didn't think you'd be on that either. <laughs> I was, I was, I was not on that podcast at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were, you liar. <laughs> Uh, well, as a guest as a guest yeah 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 so no it's definitely led to some doors open some great opportunity and just a lot more exposure right doing it. and are you st- like are you still going out with nate when he does road work yes um i mean not a ton now i think mean, i feel like the podcast we see enough, enough of yeah, each right. other so sure. uh so he's taking some other people out now i've been the main guy with him for the last probably five years so right it's time to mix it up some, but yeah, we're, he's doing some uh, theaters in, in Nashville in October and myself and Aaron are going to both be on those. So, and you guys are sure. doing like the, you've been doing some live podcasts like from Zanies, right? Yeah. We've got one, uh, this coming Monday, it may already happen by the time this airs, but, uh, this coming Monday, we're doing one from Zanies comedy club in Nashville, um, for our five, for our one year anniversary. Right. That's awesome. And that's what's awesome. the format? How are you guys doing? Is it just going to, I mean, like, is there anything special that you guys are doing during the show or you're just doing it, the three of you guys in front of a live audience? Well, we've done one before and that one was great. We built, rebuilt the set to look just like the set in the studio and put right. it on right. the zany stage. And then um, three of us each went out and did a little stand up up front and then once we've all done a little stand up, then we just sat down around the table, just like the show, and sure. and did our thing. Yeah. You know, normal, live audience. You talk about kind of being uh, an opener, and uh, you know, obviously, new opportunities. How you know you, you're in the thick of it. You know, you were 35 when you started. You know, yeah. now you're kind of like on the road in your 40s. Uh, it's a different scene. You know what I mean? Uh, you have a little bit. You have comfortabilities that you like. How was that on the road, um, kind of going, you know, and staying at hotels that, you know, not necessarily are the most decent places in the world, playing for audiences that right. have no idea and bombing? Like, it had to be a, like a gut check. Oh, it did. I mean, I've had, I mean, tell it to say, I've had the best of times and the worst of times. I, I mean, I've had some of the most awful shows every comic has. And I was, I mean, like I said, I was in a day job. I was working at a TV station. I was in management at that time. So I was doing pretty well. Right. And then I'd go to these awful gigs, sometimes drive a few hours to get no money before just a, either no crowd, a drunk crowd, just a terrible crowds, and then come back. So there's definitely times where I question, am I doing the right thing? Because at this point, I was in my mid to late 30s. I was comfortable in life. Uh, I mean, even... When Nate and I first started becoming friends, he encouraged me to to move to New York. New York. You guys both live in New York, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And he was living in New York at the time. And obviously the scene there is just so much better. And that's how you get so good. And he encouraged me to move to New York. And I, I did consider it. I, I really did. But by then I was in my kind of late thirties and golly, I was just, I was comfortable, too comfortable really. And I just didn't have, you know, I wasn't ready to move in and live with three other guys, you know, in a crammed apartment um, at my age Um, and, you know, find some other type of job there doing stuff. So um, I was already too comfortable in, at my age when I started doing that, but I get it. Uh, I mean, they say that they, they say that you have to be, uh, I mean, you know, Nate kind of living in New York and still utilizing you as an opener being in uh, Nashville. I mean, what's the secret? Do you know what I mean? Everyone says that, you know, we, you, you know, you have to be, you have to be a good, you have to be able to like go with the flow. You should be, you know, fun to talk to. I mean, tell me about those kind of story that like how you were like, all right, we're clicking. Right. Well, um, so when Nate and I first became friends, he was living in New York and I was living in Nashville, but he was coming home a lot um, to visit family. He'd come home for holidays and uh, he'd come out to shows around town and um, Nate's a clean comic. I'm a clean comic. We have similar backgrounds, Southern, Christian, and maybe the most unique thing that we had in common that bonded us was Vanderbilt sports. Right. Nate's a huge Vandy fan. I was a Vandy fan, lifelong Vandy fan. We both are. So just all that stuff kind of bonded. And then um, we just started kind of hanging out and then and talking a lot on the phone and stuff. And then I wasn't doing a ton of shows with him then because he did live in New York. Then he moved to LA for a couple of years and we would still occasionally do shows whenever we could together. But um, he moved home to Nashville at the exact same time I quit my day job. So it kind of timed out perfectly. Wow. And uh, for the last five, six years, we've just been going on the road together because – Was that kismet that you were were, were quitting your job and he was moving back to Nashville? Or did did you kind of plan it like, oh, okay, he's moving back. I think I might have something here. No, it was kismet. I I, – I quit my job before, uh, or at least announced I was quitting my job before he even told me he was moving back. Wow. So that was total coincidence. I mean, it was almost to the exact same day. I quit my job on December 17th, uh, 2014. And, uh, the next day he moved home that same weekend. And the next day, uh, we hit the road and went to our first gig together. I mean, not our first ever, but our first gig together after I was a full-time comic. So it just worked out perfectly. Wow. Where, where was that first gig? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, nice. Nice. So what, you know, I like super curious because we've had, we had on Aaron a few, uh, a few weeks ago, we had on Dusty uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just keep, you know, I just looking at the scene in Nashville, like what's, going on there with with this great group of you know guys who are kind of killing it right now like what's going on and, and then i just heard that steve Byrne just moved to nashville like mm-hmm. what's going on there well those first guys like like nate's from there dusty just likes it there has, has lived there for a while guys like me and aaron just started there some of that's just i don't know uh just fortunate 
But then now, since the pandemic, a lot of LA comics have moved to Nashville because of the lockdown. So right. Steve Byrne, uh, Theo Vaughn. Uh, yeah, Angela, right. Theo, right. Forgot about Theo. Theo, Angela Johnson, uh, Josh Wolf. So now there's all these new comics coming to Nashville. Um, so the scene's really improved a lot. I mean, I've been doing comedy now for, it'll soon be uh, 15 years and the scene in Nashville is definitely better now than it's ever been. Right. How, how do the comics feel though? How does, how does the comic feel that is on the cusp of kind of breaking in and about to get that headliner show and yeah. all of a sudden there's this <laughs> torrential downfall fall of just like Netflix, HBO, uh, you know, uh, cable, cable TV comics just coming into your city. Like, you kind of screwed a bunch of people, guys. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to ask the same question because you had, like, you know, in the, I mean, I forgot about Josh too. Like, that, that is like John described it perfectly. It's like a, a shitstorm of like, some of the best guys in the business coming in, and like, I mean, I like, what if you hear on the street? Like, are people like, God dang? <laughs> I was just on the cusp. I was just yeah. about to get that Saturday show. Yeah, yeah I'm pushed back the line. Um, I'm sure there's some of that. I have heard some of that. Um, I personally like it. I think it makes the scene better. Sure. A rising, what is it? A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Uh, I feel like it just makes the scene better. And Nashville needed more um, established comics to show younger comics what you need to do to make it, in my right. opinion. Now, in saying that, um, yeah, there's some comics that don't like it. Some of them that were kind of the big fish, no longer the big fish. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, I mean, if you're if you're at Nate's level, you're still going to be one of the big fish. But if you're a local guy who just was killing it because nobody knows any better, you're not doing that anymore because right. you know, you've been pushed down. So uh, there's definitely some local comics that don't like it, um, but I, I like it. I can always see a potential, though, that, you know, like, I'll be honest, here in New York, since the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of local shows have really been popping up. That could be the call for a lot of different comedians in the Nashville area to produce their own shows, whether they be, you know, no, not necessarily have to think about the four walls of, you know, a comedy club and say, hey, we could do a show at this brewery. We could do a show um, at a restaurant. Shit, we could do a show like in my backyard. And right. with all that talent kind of walking around, it, it, it kind of makes sense that they would they would have these places to go to. Being a Nashville comic, though, uh, Brian, what what were, what was out there? I mean, Greg and I always talk about being able to hit mics. You know, if a good comic, a good up and coming comic, will hit three mics. You know, in in one day um, mm -hmm. in the city. How are you running through these? Uh, how were you running uh, through 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 the scene? Yeah, I mean, nothing like that, especially when I started. I mean, when I first started, there were two or three mics a week in Nashville. <laughs> so everybody gets them up, so it's going to be the same people. And um, it was just very limited. Now there's shows every night, mics every night, um, sometimes more than one mic a night. Still nothing like New York, of course, but mm – -hmm. Um, and most of these mics are really bad. <laughs> I mean, I think that's true everywhere, but they are. So it's not like they're great mics, but you can at least get on stage every night. And, and usually 
often a couple times a night if you hustle. So it's a lot better than it was. And Zanies is still the the really the club in town. I mean, it's a great we're I'm fortunate that we're fortunate that we at least have one great comedy club. One of the best comedy clubs I think in the country. Absolutely. And but we also have a couple of other that's popped up. We've got uh, the Comedy Bar um, in Nashville now, and they're out of Chicago. Um, and you know it's smaller acts, um, but still it's a stage with an audience, and I'm very thankful to have it. And then there's another smaller club that's popped up around town. So uh, it, this is much better now. Like you said, there's now we're doing some brewery shows, some coffee shops, stuff like that. The most I've ever done is like three shows in one night. Uh, we're in New York, obviously. Most of those comics, the most they've ever done is like seven shows in one night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the record is 21 spots or 27 sets in one night. Is that Aaron Burr? Yeah, Aaron's. Yeah, Aaron's the close. I mean, funny enough, after that came out, TJ Miller was at the club and he said, I want to beat that by one. Um, just a friendly bet. But it is, it's going to, I'll be honest, I mean, there's a lot of clubs that have, you know, I don't run shows on a Tuesday night um, at the club. I mean, I do, but it's a produce show. Yeah. But uh, it, you're, you're seeing a shift. But I think the power is back at the comedians now because you can run these great, amazing shows that you can catch, like Ari Shafir, you know, Mark Norman, Joe List on a bar show in Brooklyn versus paying a $30 cover and a two drink minimum. <laughs> or back alley in Queens. I mean, it's, it's uh, yes. crazy. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've done spots in New York too. I've, uh, I've spent some time there with Nate and ran around and done spots at clubs. And then I've done some open mics. So I've learned that no matter where you live, there are bad open mics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a given. <laughs> yeah. And there's bad comics everywhere. Sure. How, uh, how many nights a week are you working now? Um, it varies. I usually, uh, Monday night, Zany says new material Monday and right. I'm on that, uh, almost every Monday night. And that's a great show. That's where a lot of these comics have moved to Nashville, come out and just try out new material. And yeah, I saw those, some of those lineups. Yeah, they're, they're good lineups. And um, and then it's been slow. I mean, I'm just now starting to come out of the pandemic and starting getting bookings more. But uh, my July so-so. But after that, my the rest of the year, I'm pretty, I'm pretty booked. So I'll be probably – four or five nights a week. Right. All in Nashville? No, I'm I'm all over. Uh, That's got to be a sigh of relief though, Brian, after dealing with 18 months of Zoom shows. And I mean, granted you were podcasting. Yeah. And I did those, uh, those drive-in shows with Nate last, last fall. Oh, that's right. He did those. Yeah. Yeah. We took his tour bus and we did those drive-in shows and those were, now they seem fun at the moment, not so much, but, uh, yeah, I, was, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, so his, the special that he just had out, were you, were you the opener on one on those shows that they filmed? No, um, I was, I was his op- opener on the Tennessee kid. Right. Uh, but on the oh, last dude, one, like, come on, give, 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 give Brian some love, Nate. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious about those outdoor shows. Right. So like, you know, because in that special, he was obviously talking about the weirdness of 
doing that show. And, you know, we've talked to a lot of people who have done, who did some of those outdoor shows and the ones at the Rose Bowl last year that they did around this time. You know? yeah. And, you know, it, it, it visually looks cool, but at the end of the day, you're performing in a parking lot to park cars. Right. Right. So, you know, yeah. filming a special like that especially seems like incredibly like difficult. Like you really got to step your game up to to mentally absorb all of that. So I was kind of curious, like when you did those shows with him, not obviously not the special show, but shows like that. And, you know, like, yeah. how did how, did it change your act at all, or how you went about doing the material? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the applause or the feedback you get would be cars honking their horns, yeah, horns, <laughs> flashing their lights. So. I mean, when I first heard about that, I thought, no, that's exactly what I don't want. That's a that's basically a heckler that you would want to throw <laughs> out of there. Right. But it turns out that's what they're supposed to do. So I was only doing like, I don't know, 10-minute sets, and I would just kind of just plow my way through it, and it's hard. It was, it's not ideal, but that – time i hadn't done comedy in months so it was just nice to get on stage and try out my material and you know what some people if it was a nice night people would get out of their cars and sit in lawn chairs and stuff like that and i could hear them laughing some so that helped yeah um there were some fun shows but obviously i'm so glad we're back into oh my god of course i mean (laughs) john we should for for like just shits and giggles we should do a show at the club and just give a bunch of people air horns Oh just to kind God. of bring <laughs> as somebody i mean we ran shows at coney island that were uh, uh that were drive-ins we did uh we did uh we did uh chris gethard over there and uh there was it was the funny thing is that you needed to give them a prompt on how to kind of live like how like if it was funny or not so we would have and it was the weirdest announcements because i mean traditionally i'll do the announcements at the club but it'd be like please know there's a two drink minimum you know please turn your cell phones off all that fun stuff yeah but then i'm adding into it be like if you like a joke flash your high beams or honk your horn (laughs) (laughs) crazy crazy what's it like in new york now is it back to normal yeah to an extent i mean uh I, i mean i said this and i've said this on a couple podcasts we're not just competing against the stand and the cellar and New York comedy club. We're competing against your favorite restaurant that was, open, that was closed for 18 months, you know? So it, it can be tough. I mean, um, we've been doing, we did park shows during the pandemic, but New York city is slowly coming back. Um, it's coming from, it's always starts South and it's going to wake its work its way up North, but yep. you know, cellar on some nights, cellar has, you know, empty seats. Uh, it happens now wow. uh, on the weekends. Yeah. Um, the stand is doing fairly well, but they've got a great menu over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, comedy definitely is back. Uh, but, uh, everybody's just trying to survive right now. I mean, we're all waiting on that wonderful shuttered stage, uh, uh save our stages money right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear you. That'll be, that'll be awesome. Cause then we'll be able to open up new, another locations, hopefully do some pop-ups in Nashville. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, I, uh, I mean, comedy's basically in Nashville back the way it was. Well, and in a way it's better because people after being indoors for 18 months are excited to get out. Right. Those crowds have been great for a while. The Zanies was open when a lot of the music venues weren't. So all the 
music fans in Nashville were coming to see comedy. So it's great. Uh, and the talent that moved into town, you know, obviously helps. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, if anything, like I understand how some comics might be, you know, upset, but really all that does is help. It brings more people to the clubs, which gives them more opportunities to get on stage. So, you know, I, I certainly see how people could look at that, you know, like they felt like they got, they're getting screwed out of spots because now all right. of a sudden these big yeah. guys are in town, but <laughs> You know, for real, it's like it. All it's doing is making the scene stronger and giving you more opportunity. Absolutely. It will. It, but it, you know, we always we also have to talk about you know training audiences. Uh, that's yep. a big thing. And yep. audiences. And Brian, how's your experiences been with audiences? Because sometimes they forget how to act in doors. You know what I mean? To having like loud conversations. Are you experiencing that? Uh, no, I, I really haven't. Um, Zany's has gone back to, um, the yonder bags for your phone. Okay. Got it. Yep. So that, that's, that's that helps. Helps as far as, you know, people talking on their phones and such, but no, I really haven't. I mean, the crowds have been pretty good and I mean, I'm probably jinxing myself. I'll probably tonight in Albany, it'll be terrible. Oh, you're at the funny point in Albany. There's no, there's no bags over there. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, but talking about training audiences, um, yeah, you're going to spoil uh, the audiences in Nashville are going to be super spoiled. <laughs> yeah, super. Yeah, you know, to your point, so um, a few years ago, Zany's opened a club two hours south of Nashville in Huntsville, Alabama. And it's called Stand Up Live, but it's the same owners that, that opened it. And so since it's only two hours south of Nashville, Nashville comics go down there all the time to perform and those audiences need have needed to be trained. Just like you said, um, there's just stuff they don't understand from even, they don't even know that there's going to be a opening comedian, you know? I mean, at first they didn't, at least a lot of them, they just think the headliner is going to come out. So you'd walk out and be like, well, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like opening for Metallica. Like that. Yeah. Are we at the wrong show? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I've watched those audiences get better because they had to be trained. They need yeah. to learn when to laugh. I mean, just stuff you don't even think about. Yeah. It's, it's funny that, that we have to kind of retrain audiences that like, Hey, you're not watching Netflix right now. I'm right here. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Like one of the, one of the things I, I like most, and it might be cause I'm deranged is you know, when people go out to a comedy club who may not, you know, it may be the only time they've ever been to the comedy club or they only go a few times and they, you know, start drinking and all of a sudden they think that they're allowed to talk to the, the guy on stage, right? And that guy or girl on stage, like, starts making those people feel, like, bad that they're even alive, right? And they get, like, offended, they shudder, and it's like, what do you expect? You're like, you wouldn't go to see Bruce Springsteen and jump up on stage and start singing the lyrics in the mic for him. Right. So, or the theater and start reciting as people are trying to perform a play. And I love watching that because, you know, people have to know, you know, like, yes, you're paying your 20 bucks or what at 10, 15, $30 to go see someone, but you can't act like it's your living room. Right. You know, oh, sure. I, I really enjoy sure. that. <laughs> Yeah, and I love um, getting to know some of these new comics in town, like Steve Byrne. Right. Steve Byrne is so great at crowd work. Oh my god, amazing, amazing! And destroy people, 
Um, and it's so fun to watch to the point where um, now he goes up last on, on these Monday night shows. Right. Because he's nobody can follow him. He's just such a different energy. Yeah. And uh, it's just so fun to watch. And he yeah. picks on people uh, that, that didn't deserve it. I mean, in the sense that they're not doing anything wrong. He yeah, finds he picks on that. I saw sure. him. I saw him do one of the funniest things I've seen at a comedy club a couple of years ago at the comedy store in LA where he comes out, right? And, you know, he gets his 15 minutes and for 15 minutes, all he did was play matchmaker to two sides of the room. Yeah. Right? And yeah. by the end of that 15 minutes, he had hooked up a girl from that side and a guy from this side. I mean, it's not like a magic show where this is all planted, like totally just pure crowd work, setting people up. And they wound up like, I mean, I don't know what happened when they left, but clearly they interacted and they met. And who knows where that that relationship led. But it was one of the funniest things I saw 15 minutes. And then finally, when he was done, he was like, well, I guess that's my time. <laughs> Yeah. Here's an impression oh, of Greg oh. 15 minutes after in their hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a key. And so here, use this one. <laughs> um, anyway. uh, I've seen him do that as well. And, yeah. and it's so impressive. That oh, my God. So good. So good. So, I, the, you know, before we get to John's favorite part of the show and we wrap, I. No, I that's all care. my favorite part I, of the show. Well, the whole thing's my favorite show. <laughs> Well, his 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 favorite thing he he, well, I'll let him tell you. Um, how do you look like? Do you see any anything between the the defection to Austin and now all the people in in Nashville? Like, do you, is there competition? Like, because clearly, you know, the amount of talent that moved to Austin and now Nashville is it's amazing, right? Yeah. And, you know, some of the biggest people in the business are now s splintered into two different places that are. You know, when you look at them both, it's ironic that they're both huge music cities. But right. now, you know, the they're going to be huge comedy cities. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly heard comics talk about that, and and uh, Austin, yeah, Austin and Nashville, like you said, they're already being compared before this because they're both big music scenes. Right. And very, I've never even been to Austin, but I've always heard it compared to Nashville. And then now these great comics are moving there and Joe Rogan opens a club and uh, just blowing up there. And, yep. and um, I feel like they're even ahead of Nashville as far as what their comedy scene's like now. Um, so I, I mean, again, as someone who likes these comics coming to town, I envy Austin for the comics they've gotten because sure. I would love to see some of those comics on an, on a regular basis. But um, I don't know that there, there's many comics in Nashville thinking, oh, we got to beat Austin because I think we're still adjusting to, like you said, all these new fish show up and all of a sudden we're not the big fish anymore. Right. So, um, but selfishly, personally, I would love it if uh, – we got even more comics to come here and beat beat Austin. And I mean, I know we're, New York's always going to be its thing in LA, but as far as the middle of the country, uh, I'd love for Nashville to be one of the best scenes there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's undoubtedly kind of there, you know, and I'm sure going to get stronger over the next year or so. I don't think so. I mean, a few years ago, Atlanta had a great comedy scene. I mean, I guess sure. it still does, but people were talking about Atlanta a lot. It was, they had the laughing skull festival that was taking place in Atlanta and 
it was kind of like, and it's Atlanta's four hours from Nashville. So I would go there kind of regularly and I was jealous of Atlanta. They had so many great comics, so many great places to perform. And now I feel like a lot of those Atlanta comics have either moved to New York or somewhere else and they haven't replenished. And now so many have moved to Nashville. I feel like Nashville's kind of like the hot comedy scene, at least in the South. Right. Um, and maybe, like you said, one of the best in middle America. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, uh, to me, there's four great comedy cities and those are the four. You know, you know it's funny yeah. in all of this conversation, we have not once mentioned Chicago, which I think is now a mid-market city, to be honest with you. When it, I mean, like, listen, they do a great job over there, but like um, the hot spots right now, I mean, I get nervous about who's moving away to New York. I have this feeling that, um, you know, a bunch of our comics in the last couple of weeks have been getting past the seller. And as much as I feel great about that, it's like, hey, validation that we have great talent and they're taking it on. It's we have to find that new class and in New York, or we're going to end up kind of just kind of like the uh, I don't know, maybe just like the headliner city at that point. Um, so yeah, it's all about kind of being out there and uh, uh, trying to make your dues and you know get funnier, go to as many shows as you can. I mean, that's that's the only thing that we can do to kind of make sure that you know we nobody gets complacent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love New York so much, and I, uh, so many great clubs there. And I love how uh, everyone has their own kind of like stand up New York. You guys have got your own regulars, right? And to an extent, I mean, that's the thing that we're trying again. You know, like that seems to be the idea that you know uh, every club has their regulars. Um, you know, I constantly I, I've been trying to move the kind of shift the paradigm a little bit and utilize brand new talent every single night you know mm -hmm. uh for a while it was the same show the friday show friday 8 p.m was the same as the 10 p.m show as a convenience to comedians yeah i kind of put an end to that and was like let's put new brand new lineups um but yeah there's i mean i only also i only have one stage um and four book shows a week and those crowds are great but you know they also the upper west side is uh, an avant-garde kind of uh, scene and they know what what's funny um, yeah. and they don't want to see the same people over and over and over so we're constantly mixing it up you know so we're excited uh, uh, I like the challenge you know what I mean I like the challenge and again yeah. training audiences to get new to, to, to enjoy new comedy as well even abstract comedy music comedy yeah that's so fascinating to me because New York's so big that even different parts of the city have their own taste and style and what they expect. Sure. That's something that we don't ever think about in Nashville or really, I mean, it would almost have to be like a region like, Oh, that's Midwest. And they like things different than the South, but you guys experienced that in your own city. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anything above 59th street, you better, I mean, you better have at least one Jewish comic on the, on the bill. That's going to talk about Judaism. Wow, um, it's 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 interesting. And as somebody who is a goy, yeah, I had to learn real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Nate, Nate's fascinating to talk about, and he's obviously been so successful. Uh, there's a comedian friend of ours who, um, um, who kind of got established and then moved to New York, 
after he'd already kind of got established. And then Nate obviously started in New York and there's, there was a debate about which way is better. Do you, do you kind of get established a little bit, get it, get your feet wet and then move to New York or do you start rough right away? Nate felt like you should get your start in New York. Just, I mean, he started in Chicago, but basically started in New York and then just went out every night, every night, multiple times a night and got really good. Um, but then there's another friend of ours who was probably in the business for eight years and was pretty established before he moved to the city. What, do you guys have a preference on what you think the best way to approach it? I think there's no, I think there's no formula anymore. Um, I think the formula of going out every night, like even the idea of the hang, um, yeah. I think it, it, it's strange because I've seen different people. Like I've seen somebody like Jeff R. Curry who was killing it in the Chicago scene that was doing, you know, was hosting every single night at the Laugh Factory uh, mm -hmm. because he was their host. Come mm -hmm. to New York and do check spots and guest spots. And he's got, he's got, you know, he does some, he does some great touring now, but you know, he's still on his way up. But then you get somebody like Jay Jordan, who is formerly from Mississippi, moved up to New York, um, got into comedy about three years ago and just shot off like a rocket ship. Um, but now with the pandemic, you have comics that were pretty much unknown that use TikTok to their advantage. Yeah. Um, there are TikTok stars that like, are huge and they have no draw at the you know um on stage so i don't think there's one good formula um as somebody who's been running shows all over this you know the country in the last gosh 18 months funny is funny at this point yeah, you know I what i mean say, funny is funny and you know i think the one you know the one thing that new york has that you know, no other city really has is just the abundance of clubs. So, you know, you could come into town and, or, you know, be an aspiring comedian and, and just, you know, run tons of shows every day, five days a week. You know, not a lot of cities provide that and the ability to do it in a, in a quick way, you know, because of the subways and you don't drive around LA, you know, unless you go to Laugh Factory, Improv, and yeah. Comedy Store, which, you know, as an aspiring comedian, you're never going to get into. Broussard you know, told me one time, Greg, you'll find this funny. Go to New York to become funny. Go to LA like, to get famous. Famous, yeah. yeah. That's, that's like the going line. <laughs> um, anyway, so John, before we wrap, go ahead with your... Uh, uh. Your, your, your segment that Brian uh, we always like asking this question um, and I know it's the top of the month but we always like to ask what was the best thing you ate this month <laughs> so in June so in the last four hours yeah <laughs> all right yeah the breakfast at the at, at the Hampton Inn is delicious we know <laughs> uh all right, so I got in really late last night, so I slept really late. So I've only had one meal today. I just had it right before we got on here. Uh, and it was, golly, I don't even know the name of the place I was just at. It was in here, the mall where Albany Funny Bone is. Uh, <laughs> hang on, let me look out my window at the name of this restaurant. And, <laughs> Auntie Ann's Pretzels? <laughs> I meant Auntie Ann's uh, uh, What's the name of that place? <laughs> Applebee's. It's well, it's next to the Ruby Tuesdays, but there's a there's a tree block in it. <laughs> ah. 
Sorry, for, we can't. We can't give any. You know, we. All right. <laughs> no so free what, sponsorship on that. What, what was the what best you, you ate last it? week? Last week yeah. in Nashville. Well, anyway, I, I had a chicken sandwich and fries at this restaurant. <laughs> ah, uh, last week. Uh, let me think. Let me think. The best meal I had last week. Oh boy. These are tough questions, guys. You should have let me prepare myself. Um, I'm not a big foodie. Um, I don't cancel this freaking episode. We're done. We're done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm trying to think of something like uh, really southern that you guys might not hear about all the time. Nashville hot chicken. How about what's your Nashville hot chicken preference? Oh, I'm. See, I'm going to disappoint you guys so much because you I'm, say KFC, Brian. Well, no, 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 no. I thought, you just, I thought you meant like, do I like it really hot or? Okay. or I'm not a. I'm such a wimp. I'm not a hot chicken like like guy. But as far as all right, as far as uh, which do you guys know hot chicken in Nashville? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's like Hetty Bees, which is yep. kind of mm-hmm. worst come, and then. That's where the white people go. And then there's, <laughs> there's Prince's Hot Chicken, which is, uh, you know, where the real hot chicken fans go that are, that are made by black people that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I go, I try to go to Prince's because it's more authentic. And, and uh, you support black businesses. We appreciate that. Yeah. yeah and it, exactly. Prince's is outside the city, right? That's not in Nashville. It, um, the original was kind of outside the city, but now there's a new one. Um, I, I, I went there last week, so I'll say this. Um, there's a new development. And I don't know how well you guys know Nashville, but downtown Nashville has a new entertainment district called Fifth and Broadway. Yep. It's basically like an outdoor mall area, and they've got up Hetty Bees, and, and tourists were standing in line around the block for it because I guess this is what you do. There's this place called Slim and Huskies, another black-owned business that that's blowing up. Um, has pizza, and there's a Prince's Hot Chicken there, right in downtown Nashville now. Huh. Greg, we got to make a trip. Can we? I know. Can we I, do it? Isn't isn't Zany's around the corner from Hattie B's? It's not far. It's not around the corner, but it, it it's not far. It's close, right? Because that I stayed in that hotel right next door, and my room looked out at the back of Zany's, and. Right? Isn't it? I mean, I'm not uh, dreaming this. And then Hattie B's is just right up the street. I mean, it's not far, but I don't. Something you just said doesn't add up. I think you may have been. You saw a billboard. No. Hattie B's. <laughs> no. Well, I ordered it on. Truthfully, I ordered it on, on Uber Eats. So I don't know where it actually came from, but I thought I saw it like kind of close to the Omni. I think you were in. You were in Austin. No, definitely not. <laughs> I think Brian lives there, so we're just gonna go on him. Uh, <laughs> everything you said is is basically true. It is near the Omni. Um, so you were downtown Nashville, and yep. you stayed at the Omni. No, I didn't stay at the Omni. I went to a con- no, I didn't go to a conference there. I went into that poster shop that's in the Omni. You know that poster shop downstairs, Hatch Print Shop. Yes, and my hotel was down the street on the same street. And but like two blocks away, maybe three blocks away. Riveting stuff, guys. And <laughs> I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna just email it to you because now I'm thinking I'm losing my mind. I want to go. I, you know, Brian. In the next couple of, uh, we're doing LA next week. Uh, we're doing a bunch of shows out there for the podcast. But I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to make a, a trip and do some shows out in Nashville. We'll find uh, some some poor. 
bar that will let us in and have let us run shows for like three nights. So we'd love to have you over there, Brian. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, man. Great. And you can show us where the Hattie B's is finally. No, nope. I'm, I'm Google mapping it I'm, and I'll show you. I'm not losing my mind. <laughs> it's all kind of close. It's not right next door, but it's it's all fairly close. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would love that. If you guys came to Nashville and, and what is in your mouth? I don't know. I was trying to, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a child. It, for the record, he was, he was he was eating a rainbow bagel with 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 strawberry cream cheese right before you signed on. So it could be anything. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Glad to see you're well rested. We're gonna rest the rest of the afternoon till showtime. Yeah. Have some good shows, man. And uh, we'll definitely talk soon. <laughs>